today on The Breakdown. You're playing poker. You're in a big tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you look around and you realize it's not just a big $10,000 buy-in. It's one of the most prestigious poker tournaments in the world. It's 2014, sure. But you're a guy, not only you, your opponent as well. You're two guys who've never really done anything in your lives, at least poker results-wise, according to the Ended Mob. So this is already a huge, huge spot for you. There's like three tables left. You've already locked up fifty or $60,000, but huge money is on the horizon. First place is over $1.4 million, and there's some great players left too. Dominic Panka, Mike McDonald, Isaac Barron, other dudes, Max Silver, you know, whatever. We could go on forever. We're not going to. There's a lot of tough roads ahead, and how do you navigate all the little plays that either get you home with all the money at the, pot, at the end of the rainbow, the big pot of gold, or you just go out, you know, like in 21st for like 70K? How do you navigate that, especially when you're playing against someone else who might be just as scared as you? We're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. That was a long opening. I didn't really know where I was going at any point. Yeah, that was clear. It was very meandering. (laughs) I was like, uh... Jonathan Levy, quote, It's 2014, sure. (laughs) But you're a guy. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going... My head was like, two guys who haven't had big results are going to clash in, you know, a a big, what for them is a big spot. What for like Mike McDonald wouldn't yet be a big spot because there's still three tables left. But for these guys, there's already a big spot, but then there's still so much more money to go and, you know. So what's what's notable about 2014 that like is exempts (laughs) it from whatever else you were referring to? Do you remember specific thoughts when you you were in 2014 mode in 2014? Oh, I went to the grocery store, but it's 2014, so... <laughs> so, yeah. You know. Yeah, um, I think so. There's a pageantry about 2014. Oh, yeah. What a year. I mean, if you really let yourself remember, oh, a yeah. lot of incredible things happened in Name 2014. Name one. Penicillin got rebranded in certain Estonian villages. <laughs> Is that true? I don't believe yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I could go on, but why? Uh, after that, I mean, <laughs> do you need anything else? <laughs> That was uh, Microsoft Windows uh, 9.8 came out. Not Windows 98, which might, you know, people did get confused about. Do you want to uh, hear the biggest news stories from 2014? Yeah, I would love to, since obviously I'm making things up over here. According to ABC News, the number one biggest story of 2014 was that the Ebola epidemic becomes a global health crisis. I mean, it seems so, so like, I mean, come on. <laughs> did it, though? Uh, there were 6,000 people that died in 17,000 cases. So, no. Global yeah. health crisis. We know what a global health crisis looks like yeah, when it comes to now. pandemics. That was not a global health crisis. Maybe, maybe it was on the verge of being one. There was like, yeah. And, of course, if Ebola really gets out, it's going to ruin everything. It is immediately. A lot, it's a lot worse than COVID <laughs> yeah. in every way. Except course, for transmissibility, I guess. Because it, Ebola is so scary, it doesn't transmit as easily because people really take it seriously. Well, I mean, it, it goes both ways, actually. It, it's not that. I mean, Ebola transmits incredibly easily. Yeah. Like, basically, any liquid from someone else gets in any one of your damn holes, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the deal. And, and basically, Ebola liquefies you and has you, like, spurt out in all directions to trying to spread itself. But the problem with Ebola is it burns itself. It kills someone so quickly. kills people in, like, 10 days. And it's very obvious when someone has it. So it's pretty easy to 
um, cordoned off basically right. and quarantined and like waited out, which is what happened here as well. This is right. a normal, this is normally how you do it. You just, as long as you can, like, it's almost impossible for Ebola to kill the whole world because at some point you just close all your doors and wait for 10 days and everyone who has it is dead. Yep. And then you move on. Right. Yeah. And it probably doesn't have as much asymptomatic spread as COVID, which was a huge Correct. factor in COVID's favor there. It's only a f- the first few days. Um, yeah. Well, it was the biggest case outbreak of Ebola in recorded history. Wow. So. Okay. Anything else? You got anything a little more, sure. a little more fun? Oh yeah, disasters on Malaysian Airlines. <laughs> oh, that was the was this the the plane that went disappearing? Yeah, the disappeared. Yeah, no crash site, debris, or sign of any of the two hundred and thirty nine missing people. And have what ever ever happened? Found. Yeah, what? Are, well, that's this, as of twenty fourteen. At the end of twenty fourteen, they had not been found. Ha, and they, they those people never were. Did but they, they they found parts of the plane eventually. I think eventually right? they did. Yeah, um, um, but there was always question about what happened if it was if it was you know. Foul play. You want to hear some more fun 2014 Give me a few more. Fighting in Ukraine and Crimea. I mean, can we do something that's like, you know, Serena Williams hits Venus over the head with a tennis racket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, number four, deadly Israel-Hamas conflict. God damn. Number five, rise of a brutal new terror group. I mean, what would be nice is if it was something like, at least the Malaysian Airlines thing we can all remember. Is there anything else that we'd all look back and be like, oh, yeah, that did happen? I remember that. The world shows its competitive side in Sochi and Rio. No oh God. That's not it. That's not the answer. All right, so nothing happened in 2014. Robin Williams and Joan Rivers died. Ah, Robin Williams killed himself. Yes. If you remember. That was, that's a notable thing. Everyone remembers that, right? Yeah. Sure. Joan Rivers. I didn't even know she was dead. The Sony hack was ruled an international attack. Oh, the Sony hack. That's where all the naked pictures of Jennifer Lawrence got out, <laughs> among others. <laughs> You said that with much glee. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's what happens. <laughs> I didn't. I actually never saw those, but I would have. I would have looked at them, but I never did. <laughs> Facebook buys WhatsApp. The polar vortex oh, yeah. happened for the first time. The the WhatsApp purchase was like eighteen billion dollars, and at the time it seemed crazy. And now WhatsApp is worth like one hundred and fifty billion or something. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, okay, so enough of this. That's the world we're living in when we're playing Sorry. this hand. Sorry, everybody, that was a little too long. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, a little, me too. Little dive. I, who knows what years these things happen? It's just a random guess if you're like given oh, one yeah. of these events. You'd be like, sometime between 2009 and 2017. Yeah. You know? This hand also plays pretty weird. This is an unusual hand for almost any two players to play, as what I would say, based on some yeah. of these decisions. Uh, really, two. Two stand out to me as like pretty unusual. Both by the same guy? Nope. Not to me. Okay. By different guys. So that's interesting. I guess I, we've got I, a lot I to think say. There's Oh, you're right. Each player makes, I think, one I think right. unusual decision. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, the stakes get higher as more chips get in the pot. And, you know, there's not many people left in this tournament. So, all right, let's, let's, let's get into it. Hey, this oh. was suggested on Twitter by Magnet Carta. Magnet Carta. Not Magna Carta. Don't get it wrong. Right. It's Magnet Carta. There will always be a place on my Mount Rushmore for Magnet Carta. Of course. And uh, you know how you suggest on Twitter? I know. How? You How do you to, do it? You go to Twitter and you say, Give me a breakdown. <laughs> I would like to tell someone something now, please, sir. Yeah. You just say it with your mouth. That's how Michael declared bankruptcy on uh, The Office, remember? And that was successful, right? <laughs> I mean, The Office was successful. They're, they're still making By money on what that metric? show. Viewership. Oh. Money. What about hearts and minds? Hearts and minds as well. John Krasinski still making, still making it. Oh, in the you're world. not giving that to his individual talent. <laughs> I guess I'm not. Did you see freaking Jack Bauer or whatever? Jack Ryan. Yeah, that's the one. I saw a couple episodes. Pretty and then bad, I right? Failed. Pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. You're gonna upset a lot of people there. there I was... did not believe him as as a super spy. I got to tell you. 
Yeah. He was a little too quiet, a little too safe. A little too Jim. A little too Jim. He kept Jim in the camera, you know? He did. Make a look. If someone say something, just look at the camera and be like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely what happened in that show. You could convince me that it happened because I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, if you actually want to suggest hand on Twitter, we are the oh, poker right. guys on Twitter. Include a YouTube link and a timestamp. Maybe right. you'll get your hand on the show there. It's not impossible. Pal. It happens. Look, it happened to Magna Carta. It ha- could Again. happen to anybody. Magna Carta, legendary suggester. Legendary. All right, let's get to the hand. Okay. 10K, 20K. Yes. Those are the stakes. It's a tournament, though. Yes, it's not huge, massive cash game well, stakes. I think it's important, you know, for all the viewers to know. I thought it was clear that the PCA was a tournament, but maybe it was not. They don't have cash games at the PCA now, apparently, according to Grant fucking Dennison. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my resume. It, it says, is. I say they don't have cash games at the PCA. And that gets me jobs. All right. All right. Kyle Sorrell. Yeah. Famously unknown. Interesting. I, yeah. like the, I like what you did there. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. So this, this guy and his opponent, Mattis Murr, they both don't have many results. This is both of their biggest result. Correct. Correct. Um, saying famously under, unknown is like saying jumbo shrimp. It is like that. Yeah. Although it's a little different because famously unknown are both defined as opposites. Whereas shrimp has become a colloquial usage of, of an animal for small, right? Like shrimp doesn't actually mean small. It's just an animal that we know of as small. So we associate it with smallness. So uh-huh. I, I think jumbo shrimp is different than famously unknown. Nah. I hear what you're saying, but nah. Just no? Nah, come on. Okay. You're, you're, you're stretching there, uh, Gulliver. <laughs> I think I'm technically correct is what I think. I think you're, you're really working hard to try and distinguish yourself. And you're failing. <laughs> this is a, a great podcast relationship we have. It doesn't love it when I pick on him, but I do. <laughs> it's not that I don't love it. It's just that you do it so frequently. <laughs> well, if you love like, it, Am though, I supposed to just not react? I don't know what you're supposed to do. It's unclear to me. You, generally, this is what you do. How many people will take this level of abuse and be fine? <laughs> you said you love it. When you, you just said, said I love it. You said it's not that I don't love it, implying that you okay. do love it. That's fair. You just said that. Well, now you get to be technically correct, but you know what I was saying. Yeah. It's fine. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Sorrell. Yes. Unknown. Famously so. Yeah. At least now. He's got 1.7 million, almost 50 bigs. Okay. He's in the small blind with Jack of Spades, seven of diamonds. He's going to raise to 45K. It's 2014, hmm. so we'll forgive him for the small sizing, small to big, I guess. Yeah, let's do that. Cause... I don't think people were... Like three or four axing at small to big yet. Maybe good players. I don't know. 2014, the sizing was so bad all yeah. the way around. Everyone did everything way too small, always. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean now you would think like there's almost not Mattis Murr who's going to be in the big blind. There's almost nothing he's going to fold. There's going to be a few hands, of course, the absolute worst of the worst, but he's calling like 85% of his range, I would assume, on this sizing. Maybe more. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of antis in there too. Huh. Maybe he's calling, you think he's calling 100%? Some people, some some people are calling 100%. Might, yeah. I would fold the seven deuces and eight three-offs of the world, personally, nine yeah. three-offs. But, but I know not everyone does in these spots. It's just clearly so bad from the small to the big blind to make it 45K yes. over 20K. It's just yeah. so bad. It's, it's, better, it's way better just to limp yeah. than to do this. Because now you're just cr- bloating the pot out of position yeah. with a bad hand even. My God. Anyway, Mattis is in the big blind. He's got 1.8 million, so similar stack to Sorrell. Okay. He has king of hearts, 10 of diamonds. What do you uh, default to at these stack depths? Three betting or calling? I mean, I really like just calling. We're in position. Like, by three betting, we sort of remove a lot of the positional advantage we're going to have here. Mostly this hand is not going to play. 
post-flop that often. Yeah. Um, so at a position, I'd be more interested in three-betting this hand. Uh, in position, I like a call most of the time, especially with the price we're getting. I think it's really fine to call. I think I prefer a call. It's obviously can't be bad to three-bet this hand. We've got good blockers. Even if called, we are going to be okay in, against this kind of a range that would probably raise yeah. call if it's blind versus blind. But I think, I think we just play significantly better as a call. We keep all the worst kings in. By raising, we actually knock all the worst kings out, except maybe like king nine suited. Mostly. Um, so, yeah, I, I maybe, maybe the tens, if we raise, we get some ten, worst tens to call our three bet if it, they're suited, like queen ten and jack ten. Maybe yeah. nine ten and maybe even eight ten. But I would rather just call. And also, we keep the pot small, which again is probably to our advantage when we're in position. Um, you know, we get to more moves if we need them. Yeah. So I like just calling. What do you think? I agree. Um, if this guy. Sorrell is raising every time, though. I think we've got to start three-betting him with some hands, and this is a candidate. This is a candidate. I would actually be more interested in, in raising with slightly worse hands and slightly better hands, though, even if he is raising all the time. This feels like more of a call, even against the Maniac, where I'd want to raise like the worst kings and the worst queens and maybe the, real, and the much stronger hands that can go with it. This hand, like, I would hate to... like, like There's so much value in seeing a flop with this hand in position against a wide range, too. Yeah. So. I just feel like, why, why lose that? Yeah, I think I, I overall agree with you. Hmm. Cool. So does Mattis, oh. the Mattis-hater. Mattis-nader. He's a Mattis-hater. Is that what you call him? A Mattis-hater? He hates Mattis. Is that a food? <laughs> I think I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> you said to bring up Ralph Nader, huh? Consumer protections. Yeah. You're all about it. He's still alive, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank God. All right. Didn't die in 2014. At least, if he did, it wasn't considered one of the top 10 most notable events of 2014. (laughs) That's right. Uh, All right. So the pot is 114K after all the antis, the raise, and the call. Okay. Jack seven off for Sorrell. Uh, It's the jack of spades, seven of diamonds. Mattis Murr has king of hearts, ten of diamonds. Flop is ace of hearts, deuce of diamonds, five of diamonds. Let's get weird. Okay. Sorrell checks. I'm already super confused. Why? Why did he check? Uh, because he's gonna check raise. I don't know. This is a board that he should be betting. It's an ace high board. He was the pre flop raiser. He has a lot. He has all the big aces. Um, compare range wise, he's way more big aces than his opponent. Yeah. Right. He probably they probably both have a lot of aces, but he has all the aces, and his opponent only has some of the aces. Yeah. His opponent's three betting ace king, ace queen a lot. Maybe even some bad aces sometimes as a bluff, or or even for value. Like the fact like. It just seems like such an obvious bet, especially when we have jack high and nothing going on. Right. Here. This feels like a clear mistake. Yeah. Like, it's jack high. It's not king queen. I could see check calling king queen with the intention of maybe calling two bets overall. Because, because we're like, bluff catching. Yeah. We can have the best hand. And we have a game theory disaster bet if we bet with king queen, right? We're, we're mostly, mostly just getting called by better hands. We're denying equity only. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess sometimes we can get called and then improve because right. we, and then and take the lead. But yeah. But so, like, I would, I would if I'm going to have a checking range here, I would like it to be hands like king queen mm-hmm. or, you know, Five six maybe, which is middle pair or something like that. Uh, although I'd like to bet that too a lot of the time. But checking Jack seven with no real backdoor equity just doesn't make any sense. To I me. mean, we could decide that our opponent is really tight, 
And so when he calls our raise, now our raise is so tiny, it's hard to believe that. But let's just say for a second we think, oh, this Mattis kid is super tight. He's going to fold so much when I raise. Oh, God, he called. Ace high. Actually, he's got like a lot of pairs and he's got a lot of aces. I'm just giving up. I'm going to check give up. I mean, that's even, that's not the end of the world. I would be betting. Don't get me wrong. But that, but that's okay to just decide I'm done. That's so unlikely. Mattis Murray is a European in 2014. <laughs> I agree completely. I'm just trying to come up with, yeah. I'm pretending you're saying defend the plan. I'm trying to come up with some way to get there. Um, check give up, check raise, the only possible things. But neither of those really make sense rather than just bet and assume he's going to fold a lot, which he is. Yeah. He's got so much like eight, nine off here and stuff like that that's just throwing his hand away, right? King, what's he doing with king nine? He's just going to fold, right? I mean, maybe he calls once. I don't know. He's got but... the king of hearts or the, I guess the king of diamonds. He can call once, right? But like, it's like mostly he's just folding. He's folding such a big percentage of his hand. We don't have to bet very big. No. I understand it's, quote, a wet board. It's not that wet, right? It's, it's two diamonds. It's ace, deuce, five. It's not that scary. Uh, heads up here, right? Yeah. Um, I think we can bet small. We can bet 1.75 blinds or something, and he's going to fold a lot. Yep. And when he doesn't, okay, we can now give up if we want. It's, everything's clear. The hand's more defined. I don't understand this check unless we're checking to give up. Guess what? We're probably not checking to give up because the hands, we're doing a whole breakdown. Yeah, it's not game. over. Yeah. It's not over. This is a sweat with hand, by the way. Remember when they did the sweat with hands in the EPT? Sure. So we don't know what Murr's hand is in this scenario. Um, I mean, I know what it is. Yeah, you know what it is. Everyone knows what it is because we told them. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Just saying. But in the video. In the video. Which we're, when we make it, we're also going to tell them what the hand yeah. is. Yeah. So All these things are true. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Anyway, Sorrel checks. <laughs> we hate it. Hate it. All right. This is a bit of an interesting spot for Murr. He has... Showdown value with King High on this board. Yeah. He doesn't have to bet to win the hand, right? He can win the hand at Showdown sometimes or turn a pair, river a pair, and, and improve against whatever checked. What do you think? Is this a bet or a check mostly? I think if I had the King of Diamonds, right? He has King 10 with the 10 of Diamonds. If I had King 10 with the King of Diamonds, I'd be more inclined to bet here, where then there's some really good cards of the turn that I could feel stronger about betting, like Diamonds, basically. I feel much stronger about betting also Queens and Jacks, which I guess we can have either way. Um, like a diamond when we got the 10 of diamonds is just a whole lot less exciting to like semi-bluff with on the turn, you know, versus the king where now we, we're, we're have the second nut flush draw and we can actually have, get real value potentially, uh, you know, or, or get him to fold on the turn. But if we get there, you know, we get, we, our equity really improves in a right. much more significant way. Um, I think I like a check back mostly. I would assume incorrectly, but I would assume that when, um, Sorrel checks, he's got some kind of a pair. Like, yeah. he's got some kind of a showdownable hand, and he's not going to fold for one bet anyway. So unless we're doing a multi-street plan, which is okay to do, we could decide, okay, I'm going to bet at least, I'm going to bet flop and turn at least. If we're doing that, I guess it's okay to bet. But otherwise, I would just be inclined to just mostly check back and see if I can hit a king or a 10 and assume they're good at least some of the time when I hit them. Yeah, you- I, like, I like that better also, um, trying to put myself in a 2014 mindset yeah. where, like, in 2014, I think people were a lot less concerned with balance in general, sure. right? So you don't have to bet this board if you're Sorrel to, to maintain balance for when you have an ace, when you don't have an ace, whatever. Like, when I'm playing against players who are not that good and I'm in Sorrel's seat and I have a weak ace or a medium ace, it feels like I'm just spewing expected value by betting this board. Mm-hmm. It's, like, significantly better to check this board with a weak or medium ace against a player that I don't need to be balanced against, right? Mm-hmm. So if Sorrel's thinking that way, which I think in 2014 was probably a common thought process in all cases, not just against bad players, I would be concerned that he has enough aces having yeah. checked. Like, you'd expect him to bet the jack sevens and check the aces versus more than the opposite, right? 
Um, exactly. I think he's got like a six, maybe yeah. a seven, maybe as high as ace eight. Obviously, he can have the other ones too, but as a more like as a bigger, chunkier part of his aces range, um, maybe even ace wheel. Yeah. Just because, like, sure, he can make a straight, but like he also you know, weird game theory disaster stuff right. to bet. Um, and then he's got nothing to be concerned about. He can just check calls super comfortably. But this yeah. is also true if he's got pocket sevens. This is also true if he has a five or even a deuce. He's these are the hands I'm expecting him to check is one pair of hands mostly, right? right? Um, so not a lot of value. It feels like in betting and trying to win right here, unless again we're going to take multiple shots at this, and that's the plan from the get go, right? And maybe Sorrell has a weird give up yeah. like he does, and we can win it showdown anyway. Now we could decide, I guess, as uh, Mattis Murr to bet the flop, and if we pick up any kind of equity on the turn, we could continue because there's diamonds and there's straight draws to do that, but. I just don't like it because the diamond, I don't love the diamond so much with only the 10 of diamonds and our opponent is the preflop razor. I just don't right. love that and spot. I and I just don't think that's a great idea against a range that probably includes a fair amount of aces. Yeah, like, I, think, I think this is just a check back and it's okay. We don't have to win every pot. This is a small pot anyway. Yeah. Like, it's unlikely we're going to get to showdown and get to turn over king 10 high and have it be good. It's unlikely. Yeah. That's okay. Like, we, we can take a free card here. Sometimes if we hit a king or a 10, we're going to improve. To, to be ahead, and sometimes we're also going to pick up a big draw, and the outs will be good. You know, we pick up the jack of diamonds on the turn, and suddenly our hand's looking a lot better. And uh, in my experience, the times that, that hands most frequently get checked down all the way to the river are amateurs blind versus blind. Mm-hmm. You know, even if there's a raise preflop. Yeah. And that could really happen here. You know? I guess that's true. Now, I don't know if they each know the other guy's an amateur. Right. And we don't even know for sure that they're amateurs, by the way. We're just looking at their hendons and yeah. the fact that this... Already is, I think, at this point in their, their lives, by far their biggest score, or right, or right around there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure what, what they would think about each other. Like, you look at Mattis Murr, and you see this young, both of them, actually, these young, like, kids. Uh, I think uh, Searle's got, like, the headphones and all right, that, yeah. too. So, like, I wouldn't necessarily think that they were anything but, like, regs or grinders or whatever, and not necessarily amateurs. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just, in my poker career playing live, like, it's shocking to me how many times I've decided in the big blind, having called the small blinds raise to like check down with a hand that doesn't feel like it really has showdown value against their range if they're deciding to check down, but also mm-hmm. thinking it's not worth taking a shot because they're going to call. They're just calling, And then they yeah. just show, turn over seven high at the end. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I win with, with queen high. Yeah, cool. like, I know that's always weird when that happens. Yeah. It's like you didn't even try. Yeah. Okay. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all of this to say, I agree. I don't think Murr should bet. I like a check better. Yeah. But he bets. But he bets. At least he's got two back doors. He bets 35K into 114. I like this better than Sorrel's check by a lot. Yeah, and I that. like the sizing. The 35K, yeah. like you're going to fold out the flopsum and jetsum, or however you say that. And you're, you know, you're probably going to get called with the same frequency by the pairs if you bet 70K. Probably. You know? I think so. And uh, if we get raised, we lose less. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. We're happy to throw this hand away if we get raised. There's nothing to hold on for, really. For sure. So I think the sizing at least is really good. I agree. Are you ready to be shocked? Always. And destroyed by Ebola? Always. All right. Tell me what makes more sense. Okay. Ebola's existence. Or? In the world of a loving God. Or? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Or Sorrel calling. Because that's what he does. I mean, obviously Ebola makes more sense than Sorrel calling. There's no reason to call here. Like, you could raise... You have a, I think you have a pretty clear range advantage on this board, which is why we want him to bet in the first place. But calling out of position with jack seven off when you have, I think, the seven of diamonds only, 
I mean, what are we doing? That let's, would be crazy. Well, we can't. So that isn't what obviously doesn't call. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Okay. Because he does call. I know. <laughs> of course he does. So like, what the hell? Yeah. What's the plan here? The plan is clearly to take this pot away later on. But why? <laughs> <laughs> um, why? Because he wants to win the pot and because he thinks it looks really strong to play a hand. He's like trying to rep a small ace or something like that. So he thinks check calling is going to rep a How medium How about just ace. betting and getting Mattis Murdo's quickly flick his <laughs> hand into yeah. the muck most of the time? Because Mattis Murdo's like, oh, I have jack 10. Yeah. I have to fold now. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a better play to me, too. Um, okay, but that isn't what he chooses. He, instead, he chooses to call. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm really stretching, I could say something like perhaps they've been, they're sitting right next to each other at the table. Perhaps they've been playing it with each other for a long time. And Mattis seen Sorrel actually slow play big hands like this where he raises pre checks on a board he normally would bet and then has a big hand kind of a thing. And so then, then why did Mattis bet King 10? <laughs> well, cause he's going to fold, but once he calls, now they check calls. It means he's got mm, a big wouldn't hand. Wouldn't a check raise work better in that case? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> of course. It would. But maybe, maybe Searle's clear that like knows that he didn't check raise when he had a big hand. He flopped to set and he check called on the flop. Which, by the way, not a great play anyway, probably. Although, it depends on the flop and the opponent, of course. Hey, Siri, define incorrect thinking. Uh, you like, know, we, I have a lot of Apple devices oh, yeah, around. Oh, yeah, me too. And it actually is happening Yeah, right so now. That, was, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it, it ignited a thing. There's literally three Apple devices on the table that we're recording this on right now. Yeah. Maybe four. Maybe four. I think three. You don't have your phone here? No, it's in my pocket. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't count then. Anyway... Um, yeah, no, it's really hard to come up with anything. We have a diamond, so we could sort of, like, decide to rep a flush if a diamond comes in down the road? I don't know, man. That's the seven of diamonds, and why? Why not just bet the flop? If we get called, the diamond comes. Now we can bet, and we can win a bigger pot. I think this is just the beginning of uh, a really bad case of fancy play syndrome. Yeah. Like, it was asymptomatic until the, the check call. Yeah. And, you know, it was probably spreading a little bit before before he actually called. But now that people can see the fancy play syndrome, maybe we can quarantine him. That's right. Get him away from everybody else. You just, everyone just stay inside for 10 days yeah, and yeah. everyone with fancy play syndrome will die. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll check raise their, themselves into oblivion with no equity and no backdoors. <laughs> like, it'll be great. Yeah. Well, this guy's got uh, one backdoor. Yes. It's a the terrible, seven of diamonds. It's a terrible backdoor and he's out of position and this just makes no sense. You know, in 2014, they were completely bananas on the EPT. They were. If you watch any EPT, yeah. they're all doing crazy things all the time. This is up there, though. This is already kind of up there with a, what are you doing? I mean, we, I, we can talk about it a little bit more. How the we've, We reference it on the podcast pretty frequently, but how, like, back in 2014, it felt like all these super aggro guys were doing it right, you know? But now it really becomes clear that there's a lot of just button clicking here in in the hope of, of doing something fancy most of the time, it seems. Yeah. Just like plain, unadulterated aggression and random fancy plays. Yep. I mean, if you're going to call here, you have to be in position, not out of position, right? Yes. So that way now you're showing you have something and you have an easy opportunity to take the pot away on two streets. Much harder to do it when you're out of position. So much harder because like you're almost always checking the turn, right? Yeah. Almost always. I guess you could lead suddenly, but then why didn't you just bet the flop? It's like, just what the odd, hell? It's just a very odd play. Yep. Here we are. Okay. So we already have a lot of problems with how this hand is being played. Yeah. Um, so roll calls. The pot is 184K. Yep. Something I don't have any problems with is nitrogen sports. Really? No problems. Let me try to think about it. Yeah, come on. 
Is it a problem that they have the monthly Poker Guys tournament where there's always an overlay? It's not a problem for me. I don't no. think it's a problem for anyone who plays in it because it's free money. It's, it's, the expected Liter- value is, is off the charts. It's literal free money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that I don't have a problem with that. You can't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the fact that if you use the link in the description, yeah. when you sign up for Nitrogen, you get access to that tournament. That's not a problem for me. Right, and without signing up for without clicking the link, you can't even see the tournament. Yeah, that actually right. would be a problem for me if you signed up without... But that's not a problem with Nitrogen. That's a problem with how you access Yeah, that's, that's, that's other so people. So that doesn't count, yeah, right? Yeah, Nitro, yeah. All right, do I have a problem with them having an expansive catalog of sports betting available? <laughs> Um, I don't think I have a why, problem with that. That's a weird thing to have a like, problem maybe, with. Maybe it's like I shouldn't bet on cricket because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I mean, but is that a problem or maybe, is it just like kind of my problem if, I mean, I, if I'm betting on cricket with no knowledge? Maybe you should be betting on cricket. Maybe I should. Maybe, I, maybe that line looks a little weird. <laughs> I, think, I think Johnson's going to hit four Willie Wickers, not three. Here's what I'm going to say about nitrogen, too. Uh, if you make sports bets, they are great because they grade their stuff right away. So, for example, I bet on uh, an NBA one of the NBA playoff games, and I bet a halftime number and also the full game. And before the second half started, the halftime number was paid and in my account. Like, it was bam, like they graded and paid. It's they don't great. mess around. Really, really cool. So that's not a problem, that the not no. messing around thing? No. They uh, give you your money fast when you want to withdraw it, 90 minutes or less for your Bitcoin withdrawals. Yeah, not just in your account, but then when you want to take it out of your account, put it in your own personal yeah. Bitcoin wallet, 90 minutes. Amazing. I don't have a problem with that. You can't. Obviously. You shouldn't. I don't think I have a problem with anything. Hmm. Do you have a problem with anything? No, 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 I'm good. All right, I guess there's no problem there. Nitrogen sports, you know what we say. Take your, take your chicken wings and eat them. And shove it. <laughs> when you play on nitrogen. Yeah, you, you jerks. <laughs> no Nit- problems here. Nitrogen sports, that's not terrible. No problems here. Eh. That sounds like there's yeah. a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> also, usually you want your slogan to like talk about the good things, not like the fact that there aren't bad things. Like you're not going to get eaten by a by a big animal. Nitrogen sports, you know, you're not going to catch a Ebola, for example. Nitrogen sports, although those are perfect. I don't know. It's kind of it's, it's, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. I can't remember who it is, unfortunately, oh. but he's funny and he makes shirts. And one of his shirts says "Not associated with human trafficking." And yeah, the, like it's. It's kind of like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like it's pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. We've got the check call. Yes. With the Jack Seven of nothing against King Ten. We've removed the suits from Sorrell's hand. That's that's how bad this call is. He doesn't get suits anymore. It's Jack Seven of nothing. Yeah. Um, the pot's 184k. The turn is the Nine of Hearts. So now Ace of Hearts, Deuce of Diamonds, Five of Diamonds, Nine of Hearts. Sorrell is Jack Seven for some reason. Murr has King Ten. <laughs> yeah. They both check. Okay. I get. I guess Sorrell is going for a check race here. Maybe I have no idea what. I he's get doing. why Murr checks back though. I mean, Sorrell may not be going for a check race. He may be going for if he bets again, I'm going to fold. But if he checks, I'm going to try and steal it on I the guess. river. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. actually. Um, and then Murr checks because he's like, "Oh, you have a pair. You're not just going to fold." And now you have now you have some aces. And although you probably might, you might just fold out some of the smaller. The yeah, pairs. the fives and the deuces. But maybe not when the, when the draw doesn't, none of the draws come in. And Still, you, we, I mean, you bet small on the flop. You really yeah. let them in cheap. Like You did. There's 184, bet 120 here. Five and a deuce are both going to have a, a lot of trouble calling. A deuce especially. Yeah. Um, and also some of the other, you assume the draws are, are, are betting themselves, not uh, check calling the yeah. flop. So we don't have to really worry about too much about those. I think he's just shutting down because he's worried that that Sorrell has plenty of aces in his range. Yeah, or just calls either yeah. way, right? Like, he's got two sevens. Maybe he's just going to go call, call. And 
Not that that's going to happen very often, but, you know. I, I think you, you have to put a lot of aces in his range in order to justify checking back. I agree. And I, I do put aces in his range. And this may be a thing, too, where um, uh, Mattis Murr thought to himself some version of, okay, I'm going to bet tiny on the flop, see if I just take it there. Oh, he called. All right, let's see if I improve my equity on the turn. I'll bet if I do. So if I pick up a diamond or a gut shot, I'll continue. And if I don't, then I'll check back. That's totally reasonable. Yeah. Um, by the way, he has the best hand even as he checks back. Yep, he does. He might get to win at Showdown. That would be pretty cool. Then, then I will say Sorrell will really have played this word if they go check, check again on the river. He thought Jack High was good, man. <laughs> he just saw it in his eyes. That would be amazing. I'm sure it's happened many times in poker, but that would be crazy with three tables left in the PCA for, this, for him to play Jack 7 like that, right? I think it was actually in the PCA. The two the, Jack 7s? Well, one was Jack 10 and one was Jack 8, but they ended up both oh, being Jack High. Right. Giuseppe Pantaleo hand. It might have been the PCA. I think it was. Final table, the PCA, maybe? It might have been the final table or two tables left. Yeah. We did this hand a long time ago. Incredible. But like, so just the gist of it, because it's a great story, is that I think it was Pantaleo, check-raised or bet big on the river. Check-raised. Okay, with, uh, with Jack High, yep. which was a sensible hand to have based on the board run out and stuff. And the other guy, I forgot his name, also had Jack High and called, and they were chopping. And Pentaleo just mucked his hand, and the other guy got to win the pot. The other guy turns over his, his jack high, and yeah, they were chopping. And Pentaleo then got to say to the guy next to him, oh, I had a chop there. Yeah. <laughs> because how could you ever be called by jack high? I mean, yeah. it's reasonable that he mucked there. Yeah. But turns out it was a bad move. Never muck your hand. Always show your hand when they call you. There's no real downside. Yeah. We've talked about this years ago on the podcast, yes. but that was a common play in uh, the L.A. Limit scene right yeah for the a commerce while. casino and bicycle yeah, and stuff where you, you just call on the river because everybody who was bluffing would just muck immediately because it was the cool thing to do yeah right so they you just call with whatever if you think they have enough bluffs i mean if the pot's big enough you can literally call 100 percent on the yeah. river and they're gonna they're gonna just throw their hand away enough that it's fine yeah like they don't have to throw their hand they throw their hand away like once every 14 times you know it's profitable just to call blind i imagine that's not happening as much anymore that was years yeah. ago that we were talking about that yeah but if you see someone who does that sometimes you can you know sneak something through yeah live poker fun stuff yeah all right anyway so there's still 184k in the pot we've got the uh, ace of hearts deuce of diamonds five of diamonds nine of hearts board the river's the nine of diamonds. Doesn't change either player's hand. Still jack seven of nothing for Sorrell. Murr's got king ten. Sorrell's going to bet. Okay, so he sees his opportunity, I guess. I don't hate that he bets now that he's here. I mean, he has to bet now, right? He has to take a shot for crying out loud. Yep. Like, what the hell? Trying to fold out a five or a deuce mostly? Yeah, I mean, diamonds come in, but it's hard to imagine how he ever has diamonds. Um, yeah, I think you're falling out a five or a deuce or just a weird bluff that's better than his, like king high or queen high, by the way. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. Like, it's not great when the nine pairs because Murr could have checked back having hit his nine, but yeah. whatever. Like, he's going to have lots of other stuff too, clearly. Is this an okay story? Let's talk about this for a second yeah. because I initially said I'm okay with him taking a shot. It's not a good story. The story is awful. Like, he doesn't have diamonds in his range very often at all because he checked, called the flop rather than betting. And he doesn't have any nines. Unless he has two pair that turn into a full house. He basically needs to have ace-ace here, you know, and have played it like yeah. that. Like, that's, that's most of what he has, right, when he bets here. Right, because Merck could easily have a nine, because he just got checked to on the flop, and he's, like, taking a shot. Merck could have know? a nine. Merck can have diamonds a lot more than, yeah. than Sorrell can. You'd expect Merck to continue betting diamonds in the turn most of the time, but yeah. you could see him checking back more often than you could see Sorrell playing diamonds this way. I mean, if he thinks he doesn't have any fold equity, checking makes more sense than betting on yeah, the Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um but the nine also really makes sense. He's obviously not going to fold trip nines here, and he's not going to fold the flush. Um, 
But of course, that's not what we're targeting. We're almost targeting like the who cares how bad my story is hands. Your hand sucks too. Please fucking fold. That, that's what we're targeting, which is not a great deal to really be targeting against reasonable players. That's kind of where you end up with fancy play syndrome yeah, a lot of the time. A lot I think. of the time. The who cares how good my story is spot is not usually a great deal. Unless you're up against rank amateurs. It's, yeah. not, a good, it's not a good spot. Good players call you when you have a bad story or make plays against you. They, right. they, they raise you and stuff. It's, it's really, you, you just you burn chips a lot. All right, so Mattis Murray does have only King High. Yeah. He's not being any value, but is the story really bad enough that we can just call with King High? I'm not sure. I think there's a better play. To raise? Yeah. Okay, well, let's... Let's talk that through. Cool. And let's talk about the actual hand of King High. I think it's important that we have King High and not Queen High or Jack High. That's I'd fair. be concerned that Sorrel would be bluffing with a better hand in those cases. Mm-hmm. Right. And we still might be a little worried about that by not having King Jack or King Queen ourselves, but not as worried, obviously, as if we had Queen High or Jack High. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really, really fair point. Uh, Sorrel is betting less than half pot, too, which makes it look a little value-y. So now I, the problem with his sizing is, like, does he ever have, like, pretty good aces that he played this weird way and now he's trying to get value? Seems unlikely, but maybe. Maybe he's betting an ace trying to, try get, to get called. called by a five. I mean, he bets 80 into 184, right? I mean, it looks like small value, medium value. But this isn't the run out for medium value. No, it's really not. So that doesn't matter. It could be like a blocker bet with medium value. But that's dumb. <laughs> I mean, do, do you like the other plays he's made? No, I do not. So I don't know. All right, I, but I want to question your raising idea for okay. first. Good, second. good. Like that was basically only be targeting king queen and king jack, right? Um, and and taking like a small pair and turning it into a bluff. Would okay. he really do that though? That seems does he need odd. to do Why that? Why would he do that? Yeah. Like if he has a five, does he need to like? Also, you're betting eighty into one eighty four as a bluff to fold out a slightly better hand. No, there's no way you're folding out. Doesn't make any sense. Like Murr's not folding an ace on this run out, even though like against Sorrell's story. I don't think he is. Um, maybe if we have a deuce and we're trying to fold out like a five, that's a pretty advanced idea. I don't I think that's what's going on. I agree. It's a lot, huh? So you're saying maybe we just don't need to raise because yeah. like it's more polarized than that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if it's very polarized and we have king high, we're probably safe unless, yeah, it's the better kings. Those are the only things really to be afraid We could of. raise just in case against the better kings. Of course, we block those. Exactly. So there aren't that many of them. There's, there's some, but if we think about the, the vast majority of his bluffing range, although what other bluffs does he have? Let's take a moment. He checked all the flop. I know he doesn't have anything, so it's easy for us to think you can have the world, but we shouldn't be thinking that as Mattismer. Even though the story is weird, yeah. he's supposed to have something. Yeah, he checked called the flop. Diamonds got there. Diamond's got there, man. What's he supposed to have that he's doing this with? I think we need to raise. I'm back on the raising bandwagon because he checked called the flop. But what hands are we trying to fold out then? Well, the hands that you said you thought we could check call, check call the flop with are a hand like king-queen, right? Yeah. Those are the better kings again. So, so we're back to what we just said. Then. Yeah, and, and maybe just some other weirdo stuff. Well, like Jack seven, we're ahead of that. No, no, not Jack seven. No, again, like small pairs that he's playing really weird. By the way, if he's trying to get some weird value with an ace, again, I don't know why he'd be doing that, but I don't know why he's doing any of these things. This is not making sense to me. No. So it's hard to, it's hard to come to a place of like rational thought for me with this because I just don't get it. Um, but like we can probably get an ace to fold, right? We raise on this card. This is a great card to get almost everything to fold I against guess, a guy who pretty much never has diamonds. And we have a diamond block. I guess we even. could get an ace to fold. I just don't imagine even a, a bad player. Uh, like Betting um, an ace. Yeah, betting an ace. On, this, on yeah. this card. It's such a bad card. Yeah. It plays so much better as a bluff catcher. Yeah. Um, I do agree. 
Uh, but again, what value does our opponent have here? You mean bluffs? No, let's let's go to let's go to value again. So we said pocket aces. Yeah. What else? It would be strange for him to have a set of fives or deuces that turn into a full house, but I guess he could have that. I guess he could. I guess he could. Or three, four, but you, like all of these things are just you can't give him many combos of them. No, you really can't. I mean, those are such good hands to bet on the flop too. Yeah, fives, deuces, and three, four. I mean, like amazing hands to bet on the flop on the ace high flop. Right. Really tough to give him diamonds because of the same reason. So hard to give him diamonds. Yeah. So hard. I mean, he check called. Right. But diamonds after he was the preflop raiser on the ace high board seems impossible. Turns out Sorrell could have a nine. We might not know that. Yeah. Because he check called, but he, maybe he could have nine ten. Who knows? But like, I wouldn't be factoring that into my calculations. No, no I wouldn't think he can have diamonds. I think it's incredibly unlikely. Basically impossible for him to have a nine also. Unless he has ace nine. Or, I guess, or I guess five, he could have nine, ace nine. Or five nine. Five nine suited. Yeah. Or maybe just five nine off. Yeah. Um, okay. So he's got a few full houses. Right. And then weird random bluffs. I mean, what bluffs does he have again? They're just weird random bluffs, yeah. That he check called with on the flop. If we're going to give him that, then I think we have to give him weird bluffs that are not just random air bluffs that are also like a deuce or something. Because now we can have any. Now it's super weird. I guess. We're going to say he can have jack seven, then why can't he have three deuce or something? I mean, from our perspective, I think that's right. But I think that player might think differently yes, about those types that's of fair. fans. That's totally fair. Because yeah. he doesn't have the information that we have, yeah. which is that, oh, my God, he does have jack seven. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really fair. Um, so if we, we have to assume Mattis Murr is blind to this kind of behavior. Right. Maybe, maybe he knows about maybe it. Maybe he but, knows at least a little. But, uh, but, but in general, yeah, it, we, can't, we can't assume he can know that this guy can be this crazy wide. Or should we assume it? Because Mattis Murr does not fold. No, Mattis Murr calls. He doesn't even raise. He calls. I might do the just-in-case play and raise with this hand in this spot. but To get King, Queen, and King Jack out of there, at least? Yeah, and, and something else just weird that I can't see because it's such a weird freaking bet. And like what he's repping is so odd to like, me. Just make it like 210 or something? Yeah, just be like, I don't know. If somehow you somehow have two fours and you don't know what you're doing, like I'm going to get you to freaking fold. Well, you know. what I do like about the raise also is that you're doing a good job repping things. Like, you could have diamonds and you could have a nine. Yep. As Mattis Murr. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have really full houses. No. But you can have... Would, and I guess we can actually raise a nine yeah. as Mattis Murr. I, think I don't know so. if we would, but we could. I think it would probably be losing money over time not to raise a nine against this line again on this run. I mean, you have to get called by a worse hand, though. Yeah. That's the problem. Uh, like, yeah. I agree, like, our opponent almost never has better hands. But if we can't get called by a worse hand... True. Like, he's going to call us with a... Eight? Yeah, I guess. I don't know that he is. I don't imagine he has too many aces anyway. So I think mostly we have to just call with our nines because of that. Even though it feels like kind of dumb. Because you're, like, you're like, I'm basically free rolling a raise here. I'm kind of torn between raising and calling, but I, I actually don't think we can fold as Murr on this, on this run out. I don't think we can fold because the story mm, is so, so awful. Yeah, I, I think I would raise just because sometimes people show up with the whole, like, they're bluffing with a hand where I just don't understand why they would do that. Yeah. <laughs> And if I have any sense of that this guy might be capable of that, I would take... This feels like such a good hand to, to make the play with. What an odd play by Sorrell. So weird. So yeah, Mesmer calls. Yeah, correctly. And just wins. Yeah. Mesmer, I guess, knows something about him, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're, you're super weird, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably what's going on. Uh, but even so, that feels like dangerous. More dangerous than it has to be to me. I suppose. I don't hate it. I don't hate how, how Matt has played it. I don't hate it either. But yeah. I, think, I, think, I think there's a better play. That's all. But I don't, I don't hate it at all. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I'm 
on the fence. Yeah, well, I don't care what you're on. You can be on methamphetamine or cocaine. <laughs> okay, this is probably a good time to end the podcast. Oh, okay. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it home.